This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc. You may be seated. It is so awesome to be here every time. Man, I, my wife, um, she's with me here tonight uh, because she had no choice. I, I said to her, coming to, to celebration in Fresno, I said, baby, I don't care if you like flying or not flying. I don't care if we crawl there, but you've got to go. Because this church is one of my most favorite pit stops. And I'm going to tell you why that is. Because you guys have some spectacular pastors. I only met Pastor Randy tonight. Uh, I met Sherry the last time I was here. And I can tell you this. Um, I come out of a deep lineage of pastors. I shared with Pastor Randy, my, my dad, um, he's been pastoring a Church of God church for 53 years. And there's two things I can tell you about him. I look just like him. I'm the only human being that knows what I'm going to look like at 83. And it's not pretty. That's all I can tell you. But this is one thing I can tell you. If I can have the staying spirit that my dad has, I'm okay with ugly. Because there is something about a couple that, that ministers together, that stands the test of time, that I... I, I I applaud and I thank God for you, for all the work that you've done for so long. Because I can tell you this, it is very easy to start something. It takes great integrity and stickability to keep going until we see Jesus. Here's the second part why I love them so much. Because they've got incredible kids. I I can tell you this, my family loves Nick. Nick came and spoke at our church. I love his wife and his kids. And, and every time I talk about coming here, they go like, are you going to bring Nick back because Nick needs to come speak? I go like, stop it. Just stop it. One day. I can't let Nick like replace me. You know what I mean? They love Nick a lot. And I, I'm just so thankful to be here. Randy, Sherry, thank you so much. Thank you. You have no idea. And, And I know Robert was here last night, and I didn't want to know this. I said to my wife, like, I need that kind of pressure. Robert Madu, off the same stage. He probably stood there, so I'll stand right here, you know. It's crazy. Robert is just such a gifted speaker. But here's the beautiful thing. Uh, I'm not Robert. Pastor Randy is not Robert. And God only needs one Robert. But there is something that I want to share with you tonight that I know is going to deeply impact you as it's impacted me. But I want to introduce you to my lovely wife. She's the sweetest woman that God has ever made in the entire stinking wide world. Can we just stand, baby? Her name is Marlise. And, oh, we've been married 27 years. And it only gets better. Every time I look at her, my stomach just like butterflies. The way you get there, guys, marry up, marry up. That's how you get there. She's given me two beautiful babies. Our kids are 17, 18 actually, and 21. Now, I only had two kids because I didn't realize and didn't know how they're going to turn out, so I wanted to minimize the impact on the planet. And, and they turn out incredible. If I knew that, I would have had like 19 of those. We could have healed the world. <laughs> Incredible kids. They both work on staff. My daughter is doing great things for God. My son actually is at Elevation Church right now. He's been part of children's ministry ever since he was seven years old. He loves kids' ministry. Uh, and if you're in kids' ministry, I salute you. Thank you so much for training our kids. Thank you for changing those diapers. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for loving this next generation. So, I, I have something burning in my heart. And, and you know, preaching is a tough thing because um, I know I have you for like seven minutes. And if I don't get you in the next seven minutes, I know you think, I think you're here, but you're not. I know how that goes. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit tonight would keep you very present. I, I pray that I can get close to your heart. I, I pray that supernaturally I can get so close that... Um, 
I can smell your breath and you smell mine and it's pleasant. And we go like, can we talk? Because you know what I believe about you? That God's thoughts over you are great thoughts. And you know what else I heard praying for you in January? That God has a year that he wants to bring not just increase, but a quicker work than other years. That's what I heard in my heart. That there is a, 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 a exponential thing that God wants to do, not just in the church, but in you, because you know that you are on God's mind. You know that, right? You are not a stranger. It's not like God knows your social security. He knows your names, all of them. He loves you. So Holy Spirit, I know you've preceded us. You, you came here first. I'm standing in this, this beautiful place because you've assigned this moment. And I thank you that you carry the words that I speak. I pray, please, Spirit of God, breathe on every word. I pray that the unnecessary words will not even flow through my mind. And I pray that every heart will be deeply receptive. Father, would you find those who are hiding? Spirit of God, I pray that you would rest in this building in a supernatural way in every heart. I pray tonight that we would not run from you in shame, but run to you with open arms. For Father, you love us so deep. Oh, how much you love us. Jesus, you've seen the worst of us, and you love us the same. You've seen us at our worst, and you love us. So tonight, thank you, Spirit of God. Every word waited. I pray, and I declare, Father, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's why right now, in the name of Jesus, I bind the accuser that wants to belittle your existence. I come against every spirit that wants to diminish who you are and is trying to blind you and deceive you. I take authority over that right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that you will have ears to hear, seeing eyes and a receiving heart, and that the healing power of God will proceed his word before I speak. Thank you that tonight you heal hands and you heal hearts. Oh God, that's what I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so tonight, I, I want to share with you this beautiful message. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to read John chapter 8, verse 1 to 11. Um, I know it's 11 verses. Come on, turn to the person next to you and say, yes, you can. It's just 11 verses. It's just 11. Um, it, it goes like this, and I'm, you're welcome to read with me if it comes on the screen. And, and then from this, I'm going to begin to share with you what I sense. God laid on my heart. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, verse 2, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple, and the crowd soon gathered and sat down and, and taught them. He taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious laws and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one. Fascinating. Beginning with the oldest mystery. Until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with a woman. Then Jesus stood up and again said to the woman, Where are your accuser? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go home and sin no more. So here is a story I want to share with you. You know there is something statistically that we all have right now. This is really bizarre. I love bizarre, stupid things. Like, really, why would anybody want to know it? I want to know that. Because they say that most of us in this place would have the very thing that I'm going to tell you. You know what that is? We all have scars on our hands. So... I want you to quickly look at your hand and find some of your scars on your hand. Just look at them. Because you know what the truth is? Um, your hands are the very objects that meets the work of the world. Now, when you look at your scars, you know each scar tells a story, right? So help me in this. I'm going to tell you one of, 
I've got some very nasty scars on my hand over here, and I, I want to share with you that story. I want you to look at yours and point to one and just lean over to the person next to you and just tell them, not the whole thing, not the whole thing, just like, yep, that's a knife. Now, if somebody leans over to you and say, that's where I got shot, don't worry, you're in church, it's okay. Just lean, just tell them your scar. This is like when my baby bit me, this is like nasty family, just scar, right? We all have scars on our hands, they tell us. Now, let me tell you about my scars right here. I wish I could tell you that I defended some poor lady that was robbed. I wish, I wish I've got an incredible story that will make you look and go like, man, he's much taller than I thought. Man, he's got these incredible scars. These are cooking scars. I've got a question. How can any grown man get scars from cooking? I'm going to tell you how. I love to cook. I love cooking. If I'm bored, I'm like, I'm not even hungry. What can we make? I love cooking. So I was flambéing some bananas. This is how you do it. You take sugar in a pan and you make it really hot. And when the sugar begins to melt, like a really hot temperature, you take a whole stick of butter and you put it in the melting sugar. And then the recipe should have said this, dear fool, be very careful how you tenderly lay each half-sized banana gently in the hot lava. Oh no, they didn't say that. They said, throw your bananas in the hot lava. I'm obedient. I threw the bananas in the hot lava and the hot lava just exploded and all that nasty hot sugar poured out on my hand and my first reaction is to lick it. I'm like, but then as I was licking it, I realized my skin was melting. And I'm looking, I'm like, where did the sugar go? And I realized that for the rest of my life, these are banana scars. I cannot even, thank God I'm married because it doesn't work like, hey baby, see these scars? Banana scars, that's how I got it. Why am I telling you this? Because you know, all scars has a story. But scars never start as a scar, it always starts as a wound. Do you know the difference between a wound and a scar is not time? It's healing over time. Because many people carry open wounds in their life and they think they can throw it in the past and they go like, oh, don't worry about it, it's in my past. Listen, I'm here to tell you if your past is impacting your present, it is an open wound and you've got to deal with it. Because you see, when, when you and I have open wounds on our hands, it slows down our work. I would actually tweet that right now. When, when we, have, we have the burden of pain on our hand, we cannot get the work done that needs to get done in our lives. Now, I can tell you something else about you and I that we have in common. You know what that is? We as humans carry scars in our hearts. If you don't, just live another day and somebody's going to hurt you. Someone's going to bring pain. But you see, here is the beautiful story that I want to say to you. When you carry scars, it's always a testimony. But if you don't deal with wounds, it will slowly deteriorate your life. So here is a woman in the Bible. Jesus is teaching. Oh, I can just imagine people are in awe with Jesus. They, they're sitting and watching Jesus teaching, and, and every word that he speaks is, is so weighted. This is not like the words of the other Pharisees and Sadducees and the, 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 the people of the law, the scribes, and Jesus' words. And he says, the words that I speak is life. It's life-giving to you. But all of a sudden, um, there is a ruckus going. Um, there is a disturbance. Uh, it's not just a disturbance in their ears, a disturbance in the atmosphere. You know the kind of disturbance when your husband comes home and he's angry? 
You felt it a mile before he even got home. It preceded him. Oh, don't look at him right now. It preceded him. It's that spirit of restlessness that preceded him. And all of a sudden, Jesus realized these people are not looking at him anymore. They're trying to find out what is the disturbance in the spirit. The next thing that happened is they throw a woman in front of Jesus. Now, for those who love conspiracy theories, This is the most incredible conspiracy theory in the world. You're going to love this message tonight because it's filled with intrigue. The very first thing that the Bible says, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught red-handed in adultery. Okay, people, I've got to explain to you what adultery is. In New York, funny enough, people have forgotten what adultery means. So I've got to explain it in real easy terms. Adultery is when two married people, they're not married to each other, has sexual intimacy. Get it? Please say yes. Please say yes. Yes. There is no way you can be caught in adultery by yourself. Come on, turn to the person next to you and say, that makes sense. When you're in a room all by yourself and they go like, adultery? No, no, it's not possible. One person cannot commit adultery. It takes two to tango. Two people. Here's the mystery. Where's the guy? Or the woman like, yeah, amen, amen, I love that. That's, honey, tweet that. Get that out there. Let me tell you something else that I've heard so often. The moment we think about the woman being dragged in, I have heard people say she was probably a loose goose prostitute of the town. When I was meditating on this, I'm like, what if she was a great mom? What if she was a great person that at an unguarded moment, what if this woman, husband, neglected her and somebody with a seductive spirit came and tried to convince her that he could give her what she wanted? And I'm like, oh, maybe she is not as bad as we would want to believe. Maybe she's an ordinary person just like us. Like the person sitting next to you. Because when you begin to say she could be me, then all of a sudden you you don't puff up and go like, oh, you nasty woman, serves you right. Because all of a sudden you realize it's an ordinary person. Now let me tell you something else about the mystery of this woman, and I don't want to miss something up. The mystery of this woman is she must have felt so betrayed. You say, Pierre, why why would you say she's betrayed? Because she's humiliated in public. And where is the man in this? Surely he should have told her that he loved her. Surely he's the one that says, baby, I'll protect you. I'll be there. And if he did, where is he now? Why doesn't he say, take me, I'm guilty. But he is absent in that moment. She must have felt betrayed and and denied and alone. And she knew what was coming. Here's my question. Have you ever been betrayed in life? Have you ever felt the pain of betrayal? Have you ever felt friendship that you've had for years? You even tell that person your secrets? And then one day it went south and they began to just share your life with others. Maybe it's a business partner. You were like brothers together. Then he cheated you, betrayed you. Maybe it's somebody at work. Man, betrayal goes so deep. And I want to say this to you. Betrayal is part of life. And we all face it all the time. And it hurts every single day. Time. It is the deafening blow that we will have to work through in our lives. And, and I wrote this down. The reality in life is this crippling reality that if we do not deal with the wound and the assault that comes through betrayal, it will take us out. And dealing with your pain is not managing your healing. Some of you are just like, I don't care anymore. I don't feel nothing. Oh, no, you're still bleeding. Getting used to pain is not dealing with a wound. So this is where it gets really interesting. They say to Jesus, Jesus, the law of Moses says that this woman must be stoned. 
Now, for your conspiracy theories, this is incredible because you see, then the Roman Empire, and, and, and the Roman Empire is a law unto itself, and they don't see the law of Moses as any law. The law of Moses don't see the Roman Empire as any law. So that really what they want to say to Jesus, Jesus, God's law says that she's got to be stoned. What do you think? Jesus says, stone her. They're going to go to the Roman Empire and say, you know what Jesus is doing? He doesn't care about your rule and your laws. He's a law unto himself. If Jesus says, no, don't stone them, then they're going to go to the people and say, I thought God's law was the supreme law in the land. Either way, what Jesus is doing, he's going to lose. Just take it for a moment. But that's not important. You know what is important? The fact that adultery is met by stoning. Do you know what stoning is? I want to show you a picture of modern-day stoning. And if you don't like sensitive images, close your eyes just for a few seconds because that is actually brutal to look at right now because this is happening as we speak. You, you know what stoning is? Stoning is when they half plant somebody in the ground so that they cannot move. And then what they begin to do is they call the community together and, and they begin to hand out, can you come help me? Hand out a stone. What is your name? Rick. Rick. Just hold the stone. I'm just going to call for men to help me. See, ladies, I, I don't know how you feel about stones and throwing it at people. Don't throw it at the people. Don't do it. <laughs> Insurance is very expensive in church. Don't do it. And you know why they hand out stones to people? Two things. To inflict pain, then death. Wait, you've got to understand it. People with the intention to hurt and kill throw the stones. You go like, why does everybody get a stone? You know why everybody gets a stone? So that not one single person is guilty of the death blow. We do not know who kills the person, but it's our job to ensure pain and ultimate death. Oh, now when I, when I read that, my heart was so saddened. Because you know what the Spirit of God spoke to my heart? Peer, nothing has changed. We still do the same thing. You know what we do? Whenever somebody has hurt us, we want to hurt them back. We just know we can't give stones to our friends and let's say, let's go sort this out because we'll all serve prison time together. And I know you guys don't love me that much. But, but, but there are other ways that we can do it. You know how we, we hand out stones to people when we are hurt? We go like, you know, guys, um, you, you like Nick, right? I know some stuff about Nick that is, um, it, it, I know a little bit more. I work with Nick. And, and let me just share with you about Nick. Um, Nick. Nick is not all you think he is. Really? On Sunday, he's one guy, but I've seen how he treats other people. So I, I don't expect you to do anything with Nick, but just look me in the eye. You're my brother. You'll stand with me on this. We're going to expose him. Have you ever had such talk? Have you ever had people hand you stones? Have you ever had people? You, you, are, you are not even in the conversation. You know who I most despise through and by Pastor Randy. It's not the people that were offended by me. It's the people who they handed stones to. They don't even know what the issue is about. They were not even in the conversations. But when I see them in the mall, they can't even look me in the eye. And I go like, you had nothing to do with it, but you carry stones and you want to kill me. And you've got no idea what it is. I can take you to the very person who handed out stones at church in the lobby. And all they want to do is see pain come to me and pain come to my family. They are clueless what it's about and you know what I believe is going on tonight some of you are carrying somebody else's issue you are clueless about it but you are loaded with stones you are loaded because you are saying I'm a good friend you go like man if you're a good friend you'll stand with me you know what a good friend does a good friend doesn't take a stone from someone who is hurt a good friend take the stone away from the one who is hurt. Because unless the stone comes out of your hand, you will never be healed. Because God doesn't heal people who defend themselves. God heals people who surrenders their defense and say, God, you are the only just God. 
I'm going to trust you with my pain and my hurt. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes you don't forgive people because for, for their sake. You forgive people for your sake because your hands are bleeding. Your heart is bleeding. And it's time to put down the stones. Thank you, gentlemen. You may put down the stones. You guys did fantastic. I felt safe right here. Now, let me, let me tell you something else about this whole stoning thing because they said to Jesus, what are you saying? There's an old saying that says, hurting people hurts people. Hurting people hurts people. But you say, Pierre, you have no idea what has been done to me. Man, I'm, I'm not even guilty. You have no idea what people have done unto me. And I got to tell you this. God is not only loving, but God is just. He is just. And sometimes when you realize what the cost is to your peace and to your life and to your family, it's too expensive to hold on to the hurt. Come on, would you tell the person next to you and say, it's too expensive, baby. It's too expensive. It's too expensive. So here is the thing that is really intriguing. So these people are standing. They're angry, right? They've done this before. They look at this woman and they go like, we're going to get her. And this is so interesting that the law of Moses is so harsh on adultery. Can I just whisper this? There is a reason why God hates divorce so much. Because do you realize that between a husband and wife, it is the deepest pledge that you can ever make. Because it's a, it's a pledge in marriage where you take the defenses down. I trust you on the deepest level. That's why all the time I said to my wife, let's not say hurtful things to each other. I have no defense against you. I have no defense. I, other people can say it. Oh, I have defense against a lot of people. But baby, I have no defense against you because you see, God says, I will take that marriage that I make one and I will build children on that. And on that, I will build a community. On that, I will build a city. On that, I will build a nation. And when the very foundation shakes and we say, it's okay, the kids will get used to it. No, 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 no. You don't understand. Whether you get used to it or not, when the foundation is broken, you cannot build anything strong on this. So tonight, I beg you, in the name of Jesus, stay together. Work out your stuff. It's not going to get better with anybody else. Work it out because I promise you, you will get through the pain and one day grow old together and go like, thank you, Jesus. When it was hard, we stood together because our children and our grandchildren are built on the foundation of us fighting to remain the foundation of truth. So let me cool down because I get really excited about very little in life. But here is the, here is the part. Come on, turn to person next to you and say, this is why you came. Pay attention. This is why you came. So this woman is kneeling. Everybody is waiting for the next person to open the stone throwing. Jesus realized this. Then he sets the standard for who can actually throw stones in life. Jesus says this. The one who is without sin, throw the first stone. This is what he should have said. If you haven't messed up, go ahead. If you've messed up, or you are going to mess up, drop the stone. Now, if I was standing there, I would have gone like, whoops, I'm out. See you, Jesus. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> right? Come on, who would have dropped a stone? Come on, wave at me. Come on, wait with me. You, you, you think you're going to hear a whole bunch of stones drop. You know what I heard when I read that? God says, Pierre, the reason why sometimes it's hard for you to forgive is because you have forgotten how much I have forgiven you. And he wasn't done yet. And you underestimate how much forgiveness you need in the future. Come on, turn to the person next to you and say, now he's talking to you. I can tell. It's you, baby. <laughs> listen. Listen. The stones should have... 
but not one single stone dropped. Now, I'm going to tell you something that's very messed up about the person sitting next to you, not you, them. We as people are so stinking gifted to know everybody else's sin. Oh, I'm preaching good right now. You sit in church and you say, honey, I don't know, must be godly. See, that person, I, I just sense in my heart that they have some addiction problems and marriage problems. And Oh, I can tell they're out of control, probably marriage problems too. We can see other people's sin, but we are blinded and self-justified against our own. You know what we call it? We don't call it sin. We call it weakness. We have these beautiful names for it. But you see, the people with these rocks, you know what their problem was? Blind. Blind. Oh, may God cause us not to be blind. Because to those who require grace, they must give grace. Because to the measure that you give grace, grace shall be given back to you. And I want to say this, I know me. I cannot afford to even pick up pebbles. I need lots and lots and lots of grace and mercy every day. My favorite scripture is His grace is new every morning because I tap out the grace of last night really, really, really quickly. And I don't know about you. Jesus is looking at people that just don't get it like you getting it. But this is what I love about God. He never runs out of more and better plans. So Jesus bent down and he started to write in the sand. Conspiracy theories. You can think whatever you want because nobody knows what he wrote. But this is what I think. Should have been in the Bible because I think I'm right. You know what I love? This is how the New Living Translation says this. Listen, this is so brilliant. So brilliant. The, he wrote. He didn't say a word. He's writing. And the Bible says, when they heard what he wrote, they were convicted. Listen. When they heard what he wrote, how the heck do you hear what somebody is writing? I'm going to tell you how. Until the written word of God, the law of God in Scripture becomes a spoken reality to your heart, it never carries conviction. It's religion. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that the awakening of our hearts is when we do not live by law, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Because when God speaks His law into my my heart, I cannot fight what he is invoked in my heart and in yours. But Jesus is writing. They heard. And the old people started to walk away first. Conspiracy theories. Why? That's what I think. It should be in the Bible. I think the older people were held together in honor and esteem by what they projected others to believe about them. They had more to lose. When you're 18 and somebody goes like, you're such a jack, then you go like, yeah, I'm only 18. Right? But you can't be in high esteem and honor at 75. And then Jesus begins to reveal all your stuff. You know, people go like, oh, I'm out of here. I, I might be old. I ain't stupid yet. I'm out of here. They began to leave. Oh, this is the best part of the story. This is why you came. I know I said that's why you came, but actually this is why you came. Because the Bible says all of a sudden, it became silent around Jesus. This woman, I don't think she ever looked up again. I think there's so much shame and betrayal, so much hurt, and I think this is where some of you are tonight. You're hearing my voice, but your heart is bleeding. You're so hopeless on the inside. Your hands are full of wounds 
of life is so much violation of your heart. You were married. You and your husband, first love, first house, first beat-down car, first vacation, first baby, first promise, first everything. And then he just decided you're not enough. You can't get over it. I don't know how to tell you. The fact that you're here tonight is grace because it's painful. Some of you don't know that you've been betrayed at work. You've been handed a pink slip. You're sitting here tonight. Nobody knows you've lost your job but you. Pain. Pain. Listen, listen. This is so incredible. It's quiet. And Jesus said to her, Women, where are your accusers? Now the word women only comes out of Jesus' mouth twice in the book of John. Now, I would not recommend, if you want to be married for 27 years, to ever use that with your wife. If I had to tell my wife, woman, I'm hungry. Dude, that's the easiest way I'll start a 20-day fast right there. <laughs> Whether you want to be spiritually or not, you can eat nothing for a long time. I can't, woman, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to leave it there. But when Jesus said woman, you know it's the other time that he used the word woman? When he spoke about his own mother? It's a term of honor. Wow. So I read that. And I heard the Holy Spirit in my heart say this. That nothing that we could ever do will diminish God's worth and our worth to Him. And when I, when I read that, I go like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, 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 thank you, Jesus. Oh, nothing I can ever do will diminish my worth. Then I heard God says, and Pierre, all those people who have hurt you, nothing that they have done to you has diminished their worth in my eyes. And I go like, I don't like that. Because <laughs> I want you to vote him off the island, God. Do you know the island? Do you have an island thing in your head? Whenever I don't like somebody, I go like, vote him off the island. Just let them go live on their own. Gulling, gulling. Vote him off the island. It's not on my island. They're going to be on my island. You can pull me from your island, but not my island. Don't worry. It's just in my mind. I'm not happy, God. You know what I want you to do? I want you to go like, see, you receive from now on. You've heard my servant. You receive. That's what I want. Isn't it amazing? We don't want God to look at us different when we mess up, but we don't want God to look at the people who hurt us the same way when they hurt us. I'm here to tell you, even if they hurt you in the most heinous way, their worth in the eyes of God has never changed. Never, 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 never changed. So, so let, me, let me finish this up. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's almost done and you're still looking awesome. And Jesus says this to her. Neither do I condemn you. Go home and sin no more. You know, the word sin no more is always connected to the word Repentance. Repentance is like twins connected. You, you can't separate this. Changing your mind, changing your way. You cannot change your mind and not change your way. That's not repentance. And you cannot change your way without changing your mind. That's not repentance. So Jesus is saying, you've got to repent, change your mind, change your way. Because repentance is the first step to accelerate healing. When healing is accelerated in your life, it will grow a scar. A scar will never go away because a scar is always a testimony of the healing grace that others need to know because as long as you and I are humans, our scars are the stories of our humanity. Our scars are the stories of our humanity. So I've had this beautiful privilege for the last 17 years to pastor one of the most incredible churches in the whole wide world. 
It's called the Father's House in Rochester, New York. When my wife and I came in 2000 and 2019, October 1999, my son was eight months. My baby daughter was like a little bit and a little bit. She was this big, like two and a half years. It was 100, 200 people there. But there were six men that worked for about 10, 15 years before I even showed up. The most awesomest of any human being that you can ever find. Every morning at 5 a.m. we would pray together. I have no family in the U.S. They were our family in the U.S. Now, I'm not telling you the story because I know I have a part to play that I was blinded to. I know that there was part of this that, that, was, that was just set of uns- unfortunate circumstances. But I want to share with you the pathway to healing that took about three years of my life. For our 10th celebration, we rented the largest indoor stadium we could find in the city of Rochester, New York. We said after 10 years, we're going to bring all of our campuses together, all of the people together, and we're just going to celebrate. On that day, 11,000 people showed up in attendance. But on that day, I lost six of my best friends. Because something happened. To this day, I do not know what happened. All of a sudden, friends became enemies. And if they hear this, I want them to keep listening to this. Because I had a part to play in this. Pastor Randy, you know when things get so big, so busy, you begin to neglect the very people that were there. The relationships. I didn't push the time and and the love that I should have. I'm sure they felt like... When there was nothing, you loved us. When this thing became big, you ignored us. I'm sure there is a lot of this, but let me tell you the pain that began to happen when all of a sudden, now they are no longer in the lobby welcoming people. They are handing out stones. All of a sudden, I begin to hear that they're having private meetings, trying to find a way to kick my wife and I out of church. Oh gosh, the pain, the, the pain, the pain, the accusation. One person spread the most vicious lies that I don't even know how to defend that. And this went on for two years. For two years when I preach. I cannot lock eyes with the pockets of people that I know is waiting to find a way to kick us out. It all came to, and out of the six, five left. They took a whole bunch of people with, you know what kind of people? Great people, family, friends. Our kids played together. And I realized I was hemorrhaging on the inside. And I went to Jesus and I realized there is no way that you can pray ever forgive me of my trespasses without praying as I forgive those who have sinned against me. And you go like, oh, that's so easy. Oh, it is. But it didn't work. Because every time I see them, mm, I wish I was taller. I would hurt them. You know when you're like, take you out somewhere and put the living hurt on you. And, And when you cry for mercy, I go like, now we're friends again. Like, Come on, who knows? I'm I'm preaching. I'm a pastor. I can't have it in the news and the short guy beat the old guy. 
And I went to Jesus and I go like, dear Jesus, I've prayed that I forgive them. But how do I tell you, God, it's not working? Because every time I see them, I have terrible feelings towards them. And I've got a feeling some of you are listening right now because you have said, God, I forgive my ex so many times, but every time they drop off the kids, you want to hurt them so freaking bad. (laughs) If it was lawful to stab them and they don't die, you would stab them every time they come. (laughs) And you know what? We laugh because we're done crying. There's just so much pain. So if somebody can come play, it's a lot better with music, this last part right now. <laughs> so I went to Jesus, and I'm sitting in Starbucks, and I go like, God, that the Lord's prayer ain't working for me. Because I go to the mall, and I pray one prayer, please, God, don't let them be there. I'm in a small city, please, Jesus. Please let them hate the mall on a Thursday, Please. <laughs> Please, when I buy groceries, I look down like, oh, there's one of them. I'm out of here. Come on, who knows what I'm talking about? Because you cannot stand them anymore. Yet you know they're good people. You know something went wrong. Okay, so in my, my town, there is this lawyer called William Matar. He is the most annoying ad in the whole wide world. It goes like this. If you've been heard in a car called William Matar, 444444. I swear is anything it's true. I'm not even making this stuff up. Call him right now and go like, this really stupid ad. I'm calling from Fresno. I'm just letting you know. It's like, if you heard in a car called William Matar. You know what he is? He's trying to find victim's compensation for you. You know what victim's compensation is? If you have an accident, they're trying to find a loophole to convince somebody that you were wrong and they owe you money. And William Matar is going to take about 55% of your victim's compensation. That's what he does for a living. You know what the Lord said to me, Pierre? You are waiting for victim's compensation. You know what's victim's compensation? When you go on your ex's Facebook and all you are waiting for is for them to have bad luck. You're waiting for them to go like, I've been diagnosed. You go like, yes, thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes, I told you. Praise the Lord God Almighty. Come on, you know I'm preaching right now. You're waiting for them to go like, my ex just, my, my girlfriend just left me. You go like, yes. I just fell off a mountain. I can't walk. Yes. Jesus. Victims compensation. You don't want them dead. You just want them hurting. You know what God said to me? You are waiting for them to come back to you and say, I'm going to stand in front of the congregation and say that I was a liar. I was wrong. I did you wrong. And by the way, I've saved up $50,000 to just send you on a vacation so that you know I'm really sorry. And of course, I would say at that point, oh, absolutely. I would love to come. I'll hold the mic for you to say that to the congregation. And I would, I'm going to love you from uh, Hawaii. Thank you for the $50,000. I feel a lot better about what you've done. God said to me, healing doesn't start in your heart until you sign away your victim's compensation rights. I go like, no, no. You know what that means? If they ever come to me and say, what can I do to make up? I go like, you owe me nothing. You owe me nothing. I have signed my right away that you owe me anything. This is the very first thing that the Lord spoke to my heart. The second thing is this. He says, no longer ask for forgiveness, begin to pray that I will bless them. You know what I did? Like, uh uh-uh. Bless them. Bless them. I heard the Spirit of God says, have you never read I say, bless those who persecute you. Bless 
your enemy. You know what that means? When your ex come to pick up the kids that you go like, God bless him. Bless him that he would prosper. Bless him that he would be happy. Bless him that the peace of heaven would be his portion. Bless him with new beginnings. Bless him with a relationship with your son. I bless him. I bless him. I bless him. I bless him. Friends, I'm here to tell you, for two years, every time I pray, and one of those faces come in front of me when I pray, I raise my hands, I go like, God bless them, prosper them, prosper them in Jesus' name. Let them get over this like I'm getting over this. Let them be in a good church. Let them do great things for your kingdom. Jesus, that is what I pray. And then the Lord spoke to me the last thing. And this is the hardest thing. He says, whenever somebody asks you anything about them, speak with great honor about them. It's like saying Mufasa, like ah, because there is always a rock in my back pocket. So, what do you think of that person? Well, you know, it's been five years. Oh. You know what the Lord said? Remember them before the injury. Remember them before the injury. You know what I've come to realize? When I go like, oh, they're the most incredible people. And that person, oh, he's invested so much in my life. And I began to realize that every word of blessing and honor I speak is manna and healing to my own heart. I'm actually healing my own bleeding through speaking honor of them. I realize that this message may be fun for some of you. Like, yay! Because you've never really had a lot of hurt. And some of you go like, man, I wish I could hurt that small guy on that stage. Right? I'm just like, ah. Because I'm sorry you've heard what I've said. You can never walk out this building and go like, God, I didn't understand the message. Oh, no, you did. Can't make it more clear than with a whole bunch of stones that damage the stage. Can't make it more clear. Can't make it more clear. Can I tell you something? There's two groups of people in this church. For both of you, I want to say this. God wants to accelerate the work of your hands. But you can't have accelerated work if your hands have wounds. You know what the wounds are? It's the stones you carry on behalf of other people. You feel you're a good friend by carrying stones. And for you tonight, I want to say this, be a good friend. Put your stones down and go get your friend's stone and say, I don't care who's right and wrong, but I care that you begin the healing process in your life. I will never take up stones again. I will not let anybody come and gossip to me about anybody. I ain't picking up stones. I take, I'm on a, I want to say this carefully. I'm on a taking stone away assignment. I almost said I'm on a stoned assignment. You're not on a stone assignment. You are taking stones away. And then there's a second group of people here. Your heart is in pain. It's bleeding. It's been years. Now I've got great news for you. That the healer is here. So that your wounds will become your stories that points to his divine grace. Why, Pierre, why is it important that my heart is healed? Because friends, I've come a long way with my beautiful wife to tell you this, that with wounded hearts, we can never accelerate the ministry of reaching people for Christ because it's out of a place of forgiveness that forgiveness is spoken. As we have forgiven, so we can declare the forgiveness of a God who knows us by name. So I'm going to ask that you close your eyes just for a second. Holy Spirit, I know you want to do something in this place. 
You don't want anybody to be held by their past. God, my voice is not strong enough to move anybody. But your whisper can move mountains. The easy part would be for me to do a simple prayer and hand it to Pastor Randy. The hard part would be to challenge you for a response. The easy part would be sit where you are, just raise your finger, and God sees it. The hard part would be, hey, why don't you just take the hard part and come to the front as a sign that says, my hands are bleeding, my my heart is bleeding, but tonight I come to the healer because I believe in my tomorrow like he does believe in my tomorrow. This is what I feel. I believe that God wants to challenge your faith with a hard part. You don't have to come. He loves you, even if you sit there. But there is something that happens when we have faith that responds to the Word of God. I'm going to ask that we dim the house lights, and if you are there and you say, Pierre, this message is all about my hands and my hearts that needs healing. Would you get up and just come stand here in the front? Would you come to the healer Jesus? And tonight we're going to trust him to remove the stones and the bruises and the cuts and the pain and all the things that you've been carrying in your heart. Oh, don't wrestle it. Come quick before you talk yourself out of it. Come, come really quick for the healer Jesus is in this place. Come quick, not not to the power of a man, but to the power of the Spirit of Almighty God. Pastor Randy, if you can come and join me, uh, that you come and you just raise your hands towards heaven and say, God, right now, right now, I, I, I forgive. Come on, you open your mouth and say, Jesus, I forgive. I know this is hard. I know this is hard. I sense somebody is here and you were abused, physically abused, and you hate so much. I encourage you, raise your hands and begin to say, Jesus, I forgive. And you say the name, say the name, say the name. Say, God, I forgive my father. God, I forgive my ex. God, I forgive them. You say it, you say it, you say it, you say it. In the name of Jesus, we break the power of unforgiveness over God's sons and daughters right now. In the name of Jesus, I thank you that the healing power of heaven begins to flow right now. Come on, you've got to open your mouth. You've got to open your mouth. You've got to speak it. I forgive them, Jesus. I forgive them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Right where you stand, begin to pray. God bless them. Bless them. Bless them. Come on, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. Say, God, uh, bless, bless that one that's offended me. Bless him, bless him, bless him, bless him, bless him, Jesus. Bless him. Bless her, Jesus. Bless, 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 bless God. Bless, bless God. Bless God. Bless them. Bless that person that abused me. Bless them, God. Bless that one that betrayed me. Bless them, God. Bless that one that hurt me, oh God. Bless the one who stole from me, oh God. Bless the one that abandoned me, oh God. Bless them, Jesus. Bless them. Bless them is what I pray right now. Come on. Come on. You keep praying right now. In the mighty name of Jesus, I bind the sword of rage over your life right now. Forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. Come on, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, you are my healer, the one who restores my soul. I forgive those who offended me. I speak grace over those who hurt me. Tonight I lay my issues down. I sign away my victim's compensation. They owe me nothing. I want nothing from them. But for you to bless them. And to prosper them. And heal them. So that they may know Jesus. So tonight I receive my freedom. Tonight I receive healing. Tonight I thank you that my wounds turn into scars. And I will not hide my scars. 
I will tell the world of my scars because it reminds me of your saving grace, Jesus. So tonight, I thank you for a brand new beginning. And whenever I see them, I will speak with honor. I will speak with grace. I will never ever pick up another stone again. For you are the judge over my life and theirs. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on, right where you are, just raise your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Will you say, thank you for healing me, Jesus. 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 I don't know who I'm talking about, but there is someone standing right here in the front that you have planned revenge. You've planned revenge. You've, you've even worked out in your mind, I don't care if they catch me. I don't care if I go to prison. You have planned revenge. I'm here to tell you, let it go in the name of Jesus. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Because whatever you think you're going to do after you're going to do that, you're going to carry the guilt and the shame of before and the guilt and the shame of the present. You're going to ruin your life. Tonight, lay it down and you have opportunity to start again. Let it go. Let it go in the name of Jesus. I bind that spirit of revenge over your life. Let it go in the name of Jesus. Let it go. Let it go. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Randy Han and Celebration Church in Fresno, California. For more information, please visit celebrationchurch.cc.